I'm not getting much feedback on my idea to make the Houston Astros start the 2020 season at minus 10 wins. Maybe that's because uh, the hole gets dug deeper every day, like today's revelation, where Carlos Beltran's niece said that the Astros were wearing buzzers under their uniform tops that alerted them as to what pitch was coming as manipulated by a guy watching video in the tunnel. Or maybe it reflects that nobody really cares when somebody cheats. We flex like we care and get properly outraged, but nobody cares all that much. But making the Astros start out at minus 10 is the only way to penalize the players that the CBA won't stop. Some people will say, well, the athletes just want paid. They don't care about winning. If the athletes didn't care, why'd they utilize the elaborate cheating scam? I bitch when athletes don't care enough. Maybe the Houston Astros care a little too much. Uh, The fallout keeps happening. Uh, Obviously, uh, Luno and Hinch got suspended and then fired by the Astros. Alex Cora got fired by the Red Sox before he gets suspended, which should happen any day now. Carlos Beltran was a player on Houston in 2017 and he was forced out as manager of the New York Mets. Nobody wants to touch this. I said before and I say again now. If the Astros used buzzers last year to pitch, to sign steal, Donnie Kelly was a coach there last year. He's the Pirates bench coach this year. The Pirates need to fire him, period. You want no part of this. I don't care if he grew up in Mount Lebanon. I don't care who he's related to. I don't care if he grew up under the Roberto Clemente statue. He gots to go. For those trying to minimize this scandal or trying to turn the focus on the whistleblower, Mike Fires, keep this, keep that plan. Keep this in mind. One of the toughest jobs to get in sports is being manager of a big league baseball team. There's only 32, but three managers have lost their jobs because of this. Hinch, Cora, and now Beltran. That's an 8% turnover because of this scandal. Now compare that to football where nobody of significance has lost their job in New England despite getting caught cheating three times. Captain Nemo brought you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I'm curious to the fan reaction in Houston moving forward. Because the New England football fans have been in constant denial despite all the evidence. They hate us because they ain't us. How do the Astros fans feel about what happened? Do they admit guilt? Is winning that World Series in 2017 tarnished? This ain't just a cheating scandal. It's a psychological smorgasbord. Uh, I went over that quote from J.J. Reddick before which I think will be the epitaph for American competitive sports. J.J. Redick is a veteran in the NBA, and he said, I really believe there are more guys concerned with getting a pregame fit on Instagram than they are worrying about the win and loss of a basketball game, unquote. 
That's true. It's damn true. I got a blog posted about it, but a new generation of athletes is taking over sports. It's a generation that doesn't care about winning. The new breed cares about me, maximizing the brand, the individual brand, getting the attached rewards at the expense of anything and everything else. Now, the fans are just as bad. For the fan of that athlete, it's about fantasy sports, allegiance to that athlete above any team, and adhering to that offensive millennial mix of selfishness and laziness. The fan pretends that he or she somehow knows the athlete and likes him or her. Juju Smith-Schuster would definitely rather post on social media than catch footballs. I know that because he stopped catching footballs and his social media never slowed down. Let's go to Matt and Elizabeth. Matt, you're on with Mark. Good day, Mark. I said hey, good day. Uh, real quick, real quick. Um, I played college baseball at a local state school uh, in the early 2000s. When the first day of fall practice, my freshman year, it was instructed to us to watch the catcher pick up his signs and pick up indications so you could relay that message onto the batters. Okay, we now, now pick, it, people, pick it up where? Where would you pick it up from? You're picking it up from the catcher. You're catching no, his first, I, I, I know first that. Signal. I know that, Brooks Robinson. Where were you when you're picking the sign up? Where was I? I would be on base. Where? And obviously obviously just second base, right? Second base, if you got a lead off of first and you could get a glance, you would look for that. But we weren't using any type of alert system. We had yeah, uh, right. See, see what's had. banned in MLB is stealing signs using technology. What you're describing okay. is not using technology. It, it was instructed to us that this is just a common occurrence in baseball. This I, okay, I'm going to go it. really slow this time. I mean, so slow, even a washed-up nobody from a small baseball school could understand it. You weren't using technology. Therefore, your comparison is absolutely invalid. Anything else? No, that's it. Good. See you later. Guy probably hit like 150 for an NAIA school. That was, you know know what? That guy should have called up and said, hey, you know what? I played college baseball. Yay, yay for me, college baseball. Go to Michael in North Hills. Michael, you're on with Double M. Super genius. How you doing, man? What's going on? Hey, I was trying to like figure this out like cuz it's going to affect the pitch counts, stealing bases, the position of the fielders, betting and everything. Yeah, stealing signs via technology is outlawed by MLB for a very good reason. Exactly. And then yeah, so what's your what's your thought on all that? What's my thought on all that? I've been talking about it nonstop all week. I know. Goodbye. And that's when the talk radio angel looked down from heaven, and I saw the light. And the angel spread his wings and says, Don't take calls, fat ass! How many times have I told you? But yet I persevere. Don and Gibsonia. Don, you're talking to Mark. Hey, man, what up? What up? Hey, so... As far as the Astros go, they knew full well what they were doing when they were doing it, yet they still did it. Does it seem like the error is going to come where it's going to come down to who was the bigger cheater? No, I don't think that at all because the Astros are the only team accused of this, except for the Boston Red Sox, 
and the plan was under the impetus of a guy who also ran the show in Houston. Okay. See, right, see well, that that's, you, you know, I can tell you're very weak morally, sir, because you're excusing cheating away by saying, everybody does it. It's a matter of who's the biggest cheater. That That's ridiculous. We done? See you later. Let's go to Mike on Route 70. Mike, you're on with Double M. Yo, what up, man? What's going? Please don't be stupid. I'm on a hat trick of stupid right now. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard. Hey, uh, I just I agree with you about the uh, negative ten thing, and then I just want to add that uh, if they find out that this wiretap thing's legit, I would. If they want to make a point, they got to ban uh, these. Not, 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 wi- not wiretap. You mean having the buzzer under the shirt, right? Yeah, 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 the buzzer. Because wiretap would have to call Ehrlichman and Haldeman. Yeah, that's right. But you I have no idea who they are. Go ahead. I ban those guys for life. If they want to make a point, I mean, that's, this is the highest form of cheating that the game's ever seen besides... You, 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 bring up one good, you bring up a good point, Mike, however, accidentally. Uh, at what point do they have to punish players? How deep does this go until they punish players? Because... They've resisted it so far. Now, these players got X amount of immunity because they cooperated with the investigation, even if the immunity was informal. But if they had the buzzer thing going in 2019, which nobody brought up in the initial investigation, then that is that immunity flushed. And uh, how responsible are those players, especially if if it can be proven if somebody steps forward? That Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that, especially because... If you, I don't know if you've seen the video, but like after that Altuve walk off, he he was like saying that he was signaling to the guys when he was rounding the plate, "Don't take off my shirt because you know they wanted to rip it off." Why would they you take know, off his shirt? I've never seen a shirt be ripped off after a walk off. Well, because they're because they're so look up look up David Freeze against the Rangers in the World Series. They ripped his shirt completely off. It's just I don't know. They're just celebrating. And then you see there's another video after he's celebrating. He runs straight to the clubhouse and then comes back to talk to Ken Rosenthal in a, in a T-shirt that says... Yeah, that, that, that's digging a little deep, but but the testimony from Beltron's niece, then again, I don't know how she'd know, but uh, put it this way. This uh, accusation came out, what, three or four hours ago, correct? Yeah. I've not yet heard a denial. How about you? I have not heard anything, and I've seen Trevor Bauer, too, on Twitter chip in saying that uh, he's heard other players talk to him about this. I love Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer hates everybody, but nobody more so than himself. Uh, how funny was it when he threw that baseball from the pitcher's mound over the center field fence? That was uh, he was being a baby there, but mostly I I find him a, I wouldn't say a breath of fresh air. I'm not sure what kind of air he's breathing because he, he's not fun crazy. He's just mental. Go to Joe in Pittsburgh. Joe, you're talking to Mark. Hey, what's up, Mark? How you doing? Good, Joe. Now, listen, my friend. I've been hearing you all leak t- saying that the Astros will have 10 games suspension this season. Okay, I think it should be the whole freaking organization showing you play this year. I think they all should be just be blocked out for the whole year. Yeah, there's no the there's no logical way to do that. It would not legally stand up. Why wouldn't it? Because there's no logical way to do it, it would not legally stand up. So, so, so you're telling me the manager, the GM, the coach bench, 
and all them guys are going to get suspended, but the players are just going to walk away like nothing ever happened. Right, because because have... the CBA will not allow for this. It should, it doesn't. Unions are strong. The MLBPA is extremely strong. They should go minus 10, like I suggest, because that couldn't be stopped. If you can't inflict the punishment you want, you inflict the punishment you can't. Bye. Uh, 412 333 is the number to call. We got Josh Owey at the bottom of the hour. Should be very exciting. I'm Mark Madden, 105.90X. Often imitated, never duplicated. The Spirit Rhino Gentlemen's Club. Open at 6 p.m. daily. This report is... And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yep. You want an answer. You don't want no uh, hee-hawing. Well, I really do like the hee-hawing. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. Now, uh... Carlos Beltran's family saying his niece online is not his niece. But I still bet those guys were buzzers. I bet that did not come out of nowhere. Got Josh Owey talking hockey at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Dan in North Carolina. Dan, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing? What up? With with Houston uh, beating beating the Yankees all four home games and losing the three away games where they didn't have the advantage. Would you expect any kind of lawsuit from the Yankees on lost revenue for, for that? Well, how'd they lose revenue? Well, they potentially could have played in the world series. Uh, yeah, uh, no, I don't. Uh, MLB is not even letting other teams talk about the Houston scandal. I think they would very strongly encourage uh, discourage rather very strongly discourage a lawsuit. Plus, which, do the New York Yankees look good suing somebody for revenue? It's a good point. I think they have enough revenue. With with second question, if you don't mind, with a lot of those players moving on from that team, would you be totally against vacating that 2017 championship? I just don't think that accomplishes anything. Remember when uh, Southern Cal football won the national championship in in uh, 04 season? in the 05 BCS championship game? Yep. Nobody doesn't think of them as having won the championship. Their players remember themselves as champions. That just doesn't do any good. You can eliminate the championship. You cannot eliminate the memories and the experience. I just don't think that does any good. Let's go to Teresa on the south side. Teresa, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Terrific. I was just wondering if you think that um, maybe we should be a little bit worried about the future of sports with kids today seeing, you know, teams like the Astros or teams like the Patriots cheating or allegedly cheating, and then also, you know, individual players putting themselves and their brand ahead of their team, you know, growing up. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of reasons to worry about professional sports. I talked about it in my blog today. Uh, What J.J. Reddick says Reflects how I feel perfectly, and I've said it for quite some time. Uh, athletes today don't care about winning. Not many do, not enough do. I don't think the most do. They care about branding. They care about maximizing their benefit from playing the game. But once they start getting paid, they don't want to win. They just want to get paid more. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, might we see an increase in that in 10 or 20 years when these kids who think that it's that's just commonplace, you know, become – you know, the next professional athlete. Uh, 
Teresa, they already uh, it, it's already commonplace. What sports dodged the bullet so far, though? Hockey. No question. And so has soccer in Europe. The people in Europe, well, Italy's different because they have a cheating culture, but that, it just wouldn't be tolerated over there. You're See, right. that, that's the thing. Most of us like the notion of pulling a fast one. Like, look at all the movies, all the movies that glorify criminals and crime. We're a yeah, bunch of dopes of over here, Teresa. We're, we, the U.S. is a very dishonest country. Its residents are not good, moral, upright people. We pretend we are. We are not. I 100% agree with you. Thank you for the call. You know, in that vein, the other day I was out in front of Walmart and the waterworks, and some poor lady uh, looked like she was broke, just, you know, homeless, bad clothes, all that stuff. She was saying she had lost $200. She didn't know what to do. So I gave her $40. Gave her $40. Out of the 200 I had just found outside the store a few minutes before that. You know, when God looks down upon you with good luck, you have to share it. Let's go to Ken in the truck. Ken, you're talking to Mark. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Right. Hey, uh, I'm not what you call a smart man in sports. But I bet I'm not what you call it. You're not what I'd call a smart man. Period. But go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, everybody that cheated knew they were cheating in in that baseball team. Why wouldn't they treat them like they treated Pete Rose for just gambling? You knew he cheated. They should have ratted them out when they were asked to cheat. Why wouldn't they, you know, hold each one of them accountable? Boy, I'm tired of telling the same story over again. They couldn't. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 no, but bro, bro you, the CBA wouldn't allow it. All those players should be suspended. The whole team should be suspended, but the, but the CBA just wouldn't allow it. And the battle over it, parsing the CBA, would be just excruciating. The players well, also cooperated. I'm sure we're promised something in exchange for cooperating. Now, if they cooperated but covered up 2019 with the buzzers, that would be a different story. Well, they must have proved that they were cheating the way they fired the GM and the coach. So, you know, everybody cheated. They should be uh, reprimanded. Well, they, they the team lost a lot. They lost the four draft picks, uh, a first and second at 20, a first and second at 21. They got fined $5 million. They lost their GM and coach. But you're right. The players haven't been punished. My idea of minus 10 is a way to punish the players that circle although they do still get paid. Up next, Joey talking hockey, 105.9. It's Abby. Delight. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. I think you're absolutely hilarious. It's an acquired taste. You, you have the answer, Mark. Thank you. Wait, I wasn't done insulting you. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, has a night off from covering the Pens for the Athletic. He rejoins them in Detroit, Rock City tomorrow. He is our good friend, Josh Joey. Josh, uh, there's a report the Penguins have been stealing signs. What do you hear? <laughs> I don't know. We were busy talking about the, the benefits of weighted blankets for sleeping during the break, so I haven't even had a chance to think about uh, stealing signs. But uh, it seems like the flavor of the month, so let's just assume that they are. Using technology, too. Oh, right. I had to explain that one dope before. <laughs> anyway, let's get an injury update. Uh, Sid's back. We know that. Mm. Do you have a vague timetable for Schultz, Bukestat, and Dumoulin? 
you know, I saw Dumoulin after the game last night, and he's walking without a limp, which is progress, because that was a pretty serious injury he had. He won't be back until after the All-Star break, I'm sure. But if the timeline is accurate, I think we could see Dumoulin at the end of January, beginning of February, something along those lines. So I think he's probably two or three weeks away, which isn't horrible. Um, Bukestead and Schultz are skating. I would guess Bukestead is ahead of Schultz, where I a betting man. Um, maybe we see them before the All-Star break. It's a possibility, but I think they're both, you know, it's certainly no more than a couple of weeks, and we could see them before then. Schultz didn't, he still doesn't look quite ready to me, and I think they should be careful with him. But um, slowly but surely, Mark, uh, the Penguins are finally getting a little bit healthier, and hopefully no one else will get hurt between now and then, but it, it looks like they're getting there. My memory suggested that the Bruins had been a tough matchup for Pittsburgh recently. Yeah. But the teams are 5-5 five and five in their past 10 games. It's been a fairly even rivalry lately. It's also been a very home-dominated rivalry. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think the Penguins have won in Boston under Mike Sullivan in his hometown. Um, they have had a lot of problems in that building over the years. But I will say this. Uh, the Penguins might be catching the Bruins at a pretty good time. They are playing their worst hockey of the season. Tuka Rask is out with a concussion. Uh, Krejci's hurt, I think. I don't know what the, the status is with him. But they are not playing all that well right now, and I don't need to tell anybody listening that the Penguins are playing well. So if ever there were a time for the Penguins to get a win in that building, uh, this might be the one. The dads are on the trip. They usually play pretty well for the old men on the, on the road trip with them. So, uh, yeah, this should be a pretty compelling game. And it's very clear, Mark, this, the Penguins are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders right now. We know that. But uh, these two games against Boston, uh, both tonight in Boston and Sunday afternoon in Pittsburgh, a pretty nice test to see right where they are, I think. Well, really, uh, the next nine games are. Yeah. Uh, you got the Bruins twice, Philadelphia twice, Tampa twice, Washington once. We're going to see what's what, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, it's funny, the Penguins, as great as they've been, and I'm taking nothing away from them, they've done a ton of their damage against the Western Conference. They're almost unbeatable against the West. Um, against the East, they haven't been as good. So I'm curious to see how they look against some of the heavyweights in the East. And that will be the fun part of the second half of the schedule, Mark. Uh, the Penguins, if I'm not mistaken, I know they haven't played Washington yet. I don't think they've played Carolina yet either. They still have two games against Boston. So a lot of showdowns here in the next couple of months against the best teams in the East. Um, should be fun, and it might sound tough if you're a Penguins fan, and it is, but I assure you those teams aren't really looking forward to playing the Penguins right now either the way they look. Is that Bergeron line in Boston the best line in hockey? And what line should the Penguins hmm. match up against it tonight? I, I think it is, and I'll tell you why. It's not just because of what it does offensively. You still have this specter of Bergeron and, and the defensive dominance that he brings to the table. So it's, to me, absolutely the best two-way line in the game right now. I think that's really hard to deny. Um, I like the idea of going with Sid head-to-head -head against them. Um, yes, it's a challenge, especially when you consider Sid's only one game back. But you know he can match up against Bergeron. If they can go 50-50, uh, the Bruins have some people out of the lineup, too. That Malkin line all of a sudden becomes that much more important and might have some favorable matchups. So uh, Sullivan always likes to go with Sid against the best line, and usually I think that is the right call, and I think in this case it is, and I hope we see it. Um, you know, To me, Bergeron is really one of the underrated players of this era. He might be a Hall of Famer. I think he probably is, honestly. And um, to see him go head-to-head -head against Sid, it's always always a good time. Uh, that was a pretty good comeback game by Sid Thursday. <laughs> it seems impossible, but he makes it probable time and again. He, you know, I, I said this the other night. W when you know somebody's truly great is what you saw the other night because 
he got four points in his first game in 66 days missed, by the way. How perfect is that? And none of us were even surprised because we've seen it before, and we know he is just one of those all-time greats who can just show up and do something like that. Even some of the great players of all time can't miss two months and just show up and get four points and make a pass like he did on the Dominic Simongo. That That's not human, but... It's Sidney Crosby. He's one of the five greatest hockey players of all time, in my opinion. And and much like Mario a generation before, he has a little bit of that flair for the dramatic when he comes back in those moments. So we weren't surprised at all. He doesn't demand the spotlight, but he shines when it's applied. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. And, and you could see watching that game the other night, he had two points in the first two periods, but he didn't quite look himself. You could tell his timing wasn't quite there. He was a little hesitant a couple of times. In the third period, he started to feel it. And when he starts feeling it, that's when he's banking the puck off of the goal to himself and, and making plays like he did. And you could tell that the confidence was, you, you could just see it, the confidence was pouring out of him by the third period. So, um, yeah, that, that I wouldn't expect four points every night. That's probably a bit unfair. But that was a pretty special performance. And, and we both talked to him after the game, Mark. He was in a good mood. Uh, you could tell it was kind of a, a relief for him to come back. Like, All right, I'm still Sidney Crosby. I, I feel good. And uh, I have no doubt he's going to go on a bit of a tear here. He was a little bit knackered after the game, wasn't he? He was, uh, I think, tired than he might have been had he been in usual midseason form. Probably. And that's, he has skated a lot, but that's a tough injury to come back from. You still can't work well, out the way that, you want. It's, it's like, it's nothing like playing in games. The training, no. the recovery, the weight room, everything. It's not like playing in a game. No, anybody will tell you that. And he really couldn't do anything for a few weeks after that surgery. So, and it's just, it's the classic case of an injury that takes a while to come back from. And even when you feel right, um, you can't push yourself too hard. And he is such of a conditioning freak. You know, if he takes a few weeks off from training, that really does have an impact on him because he just you know, sets a bar much higher than most players. So, yeah, you're not going to see him necessarily play like that every night for a little while. But, um, boy, given the way this team is playing, um, he's not exactly going to hurt things, is he? We're talking to Josh Shelley from TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 50% or more on car insurance. How did McCann and Simone look as Sid's line mates on the first night out? I thought they were fine. Um, You can't uh, complain with the results. And, you know, I know a lot of people don't want to see Simone on that top line, and I don't really like him there long term either. But I will say this. Given the circumstances of that game and who the Penguins are without, namely Jake Ensel, Crosby is comfortable playing with Simone and I guarantee you he petitioned to have Simone on his line and he only needs one signature on that petition that's right and you know what I don't have a problem with it in the short term and I'll tell you why it's like a strange comparison but a lot of people don't like enforcers and didn't like it when the Penguins picked up Ryan Reeves and I always said ask Sid if he's comfortable if he wants Reeves on the ice with him he will tell you yes so if he's comfortable with Simone on his line for now I don't think anybody should have a problem with it. He likes playing with them. Whether the guy's going to finish or not, that's another story. He did the other night, so that's great. But um, no, and McCann, McCann can shoot the puck. You know this. And Sid likes playing with guys who can skate. I wish he'd shoot it more. I, oh, absolutely. He he really has one of the three or four best shots on the team, I would say. I mean, he's a, a gifted goal scorer, and it, it's going to be interesting to see if they leave him in the top six moving forward. I fully expect Jim Rutherford to make a deal for a winger to play with Sid. Does McCann stay on that line anyway? It's conceivable, even though they want him to be the third-line center. It's conceivable to me, and I'll tell you why. It's because of the Teddy Bluger line. That line is so good. You might think of them as the fourth line, 
But Sullivan's using them as a third line, and it's a really good line right now. That gives them the flexibility, if they want, to leave McCann in the top six with Sid if that line's going to continue playing this well. Uh, it's a weird team for assembling lines, Josh, because the wings aren't that good, but they're not that bad. <laughs> There's not a great wing to obviously put with Sid. Now that Jake's hurt, right. and everybody else is kind of in a similar spot talent-wise. They have a hell of a lot of good bottom six wingers, don't they? And that's not a bad thing. Um, they're they're incredibly deep at wing. You're right. It's going to be interesting to see how Mike Sullivan kind of mixes and matches. Um, Brandon Tanov, to me, he's not a fourth-line winger. He's way too good for that. I would love to see him with Sid for a couple of games just to see how they look together, to see what kind of room his speed gives Sid to operate, to see what kind of you know the turnovers that he could uh, produce with Sid. Do I think he should be there long-term? Not necessarily. He's just not a gifted finisher. But, yes, they have a number of players who can slide up and down. Cahoon is a guy. He looks great with Malkin right now. Um, will he be there all season long in the top six? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know, but I know he's a good player no matter where you put him. So uh, they just have so many guys like that. It makes them difficult to deal with, I think, for the opposition just on account of that depth. But it also doesn't necessarily make Sullivan's job easy because I think we could see a lot of changes throughout the season, who's hot, who's not. Sometimes Gino slows down when Sid comes back, but on Tuesday he decidedly did not. He did not. I thought he was the best player on the ice. In I fact. did too. Yeah, he was great. And I you know, he he received a question the other night. Somebody said uh, it was along the lines of, Gino, can you take a little bit of a break now that Sid's back and ease up a little bit? And Gino looked at the reporter like he was crazy. And I talked to him for a second afterwards, and Gino said, like, no one on this team lifts the foot off the gas. That's not how we play. And he's right. And this team is different this season, and Gino is one of the key factors, in my opinion. Uh, he, he is a different player this year. I, I truly believe um, that, that talk he had with Mike Sullivan – in Miami last summer, I think he took it to heart. I think Sullivan got through to him in a really big way. Sullivan, in fact, referenced it after practice yesterday when somebody asked about Malkin. He said, "I." He basically said, "Yeah, I knew he was going to have a huge year after the talk we had last summer." So Malkin is incredibly motivated, and I don't think he's going to ease up. I, I, I truly don't. The Penguins have three good right-handed defensemen. Mm. How important is that? Why is it so rare? You have a problem with Chad Ruedel? Isn't he number four? He's, he's about three good ones and one that's <laughs> he's fine. okay. Yeah, no, no, he's hey, fine. He's performed beyond my expectations <laughs> yes. since he became a regular because of it. I think he and Ricola have both went good, by the way. And I give them, hey, if those are your seven and eights, that's great. But to answer your question, it's really rare. Um, and, you know, is it going to take a burden off of Chris Latang in terms of minutes? Probably not. You still want him playing 25 plus minutes. And in Latang's case, he usually plays better when he plays a lot of minutes. So I don't know that it will necessarily help him in that way, but just to be that balanced is unusual. And, you know, we say this every week when I'm on your show, but John Marino has just been such of a revelation. He has completely changed the way I look at this blue line. I, I thought it was perfectly fine blue line entering the season. Now I think it's a really good one, and he's a huge reason why. And I'm not so sure that he's not on your second pairing when the playoffs start. Maybe Schultz and Jack Johnson's your third pairing when the, when the playoffs start. I, I have no issue with that. Schultz hasn't been healthy, and when he has been in the lineup, he frankly hasn't quite looked himself. I think Marino might just be a better all-around player right now, and that's fine. If Marino and Pedersen's your second pairing, that's not a bad thing. Tristan Jari's allowed three goals in each of his last five starts. He's gone from first in the league in everything to second in the league in everything. <laughs> Now, now, those last five starts, is that cause for alarm? It's not bad, but it is a bit of a slowdown, although I only recall the one bad goal in those five starts. Yeah, it's it's worth monitoring, I guess. 
but I haven't really come away from any of those games thinking, ooh, he wasn't very good tonight. I feel like the Penguins did get a little sloppy defensively after the holiday break. Um, that, that was evidence some bad habits maybe creeped back into their play a little bit. But I think Jari's been fine. And if this is evidence of Jari having a little bit of a slip-up, well, you know, they're 3-1-1 one, and one in those five games, and he hasn't allowed that many bad goals. That's one of my favorite things about him. He just doesn't allow bad goals. And that might be the biggest difference between he and Murray right now. Murray's been better in his last few starts. He's been a lot better. But every game he still allows a really bad goal. You just can't have that. And, and Jari just not doing it. Yeah, it couldn't have gone worse than Denver, Ooh. where he played a tremendous game and then <laughs> he did. The, blew the double play ball. <laughs> yes, he did. And you're right. He, I talked about that with Matt yesterday. He played a really good game against one of the best teams in the league, but you just can't keep allowing goals like that. It, it's, it's He's not one to laugh about a goal like that either. No, he wasn't the least bit amused, in even, fact, when Even I after it winning. Like, Flower, if he uh, let in a, a bad goal oh, yeah. but won the game anyway. He would giggle uncontrollably. He'd make fun of himself. Yes. Yeah, but, but if, Matt's it, not self-deprecating at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> finally, Josh, uh, obviously, Sid's only been back the one game, but do you think they need that rental winger? And have any new names come to mind besides the guys who have been discussed uh, almost constantly, like uh, Hoffman and... Uh, and Kreider and uh, Toffoli. I still think it's in their best interest. I, I know a lot of people recall, especially the 2013 season, when Ray Shiro probably went overboard loading up a team that was already so good it really didn't need it. But I still think more times than not you're helping yourself if you go get a good player. And I think that's what Jim Rutherford wants to do. Um, one name that's interesting, and you wouldn't think they would need another center, and this might only happen if they were to trade Nick Bukestead, which is possible. But uh, J.G. Peugeot's name has, has popped up a lot. I've heard it a lot. I know Rutherford really likes him. Um, they could bring him in, and if they would do that, that means McCann stays in the top six, and he would be the third-line center right behind Crosby and Malkin. I, I don't know that that's going to happen, but he's a name that I've heard that they I, might have I some interest in. I think they'd want in. a first-round pick, don't you? Probably. But you know what? I, I, Jim never wants to give up a first-round pick. I don't think anybody out there is worth a first-round pick. You might be right. If Kreider, if you had Kreider for two years or three years, that would be different. But if you're going to lose him this season, I tend to agree with you. But between Kreider, Saad, you know the names that we were, Toffoli, I mean, they're going to get one of those guys. It's a matter of which one. Who among the guys we've talked about could be had for a second-round pick? I think Brandon Saad could. I don't think they want a first-round Really? Round. I, I, I think they want to rework your cap for, for that, next year. That's too. the issue, but I really think they want to get out from his salary. He hasn't been great. He has. He's still a good player. He's not playing at the level that he was in 2014. Well, they made just such a bad trade with him too. They yes, give up Panarin. They did, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing that. The way he can still skate, I actually think he would fit in pretty well. I think he'd be. If the, I didn't think that would cause them to give up a player they shouldn't want to give mm -hmm. up because of the cap, I'd want to do it. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious to see. What Chicago would want for him. I still think he's a good player. What Great about guy. a second rounder for Toffoli? Could that be done? Probably. I'm not quite as big on him personally. I just don't know if he skates well enough to fit in with how the Penguins play, but he's still a good player. And yes, I think I don't think they want a first rounder for him. They might want one, but I don't think they're going to get one. I think that's conceivable. The, the price on Kreider, for whatever reason, seems higher. Maybe because he's a better player, but he's also more of a rental than some of these guys. But you can get some of those players without a first-round pick, and I, I think Jim Rutherford will bring in somebody. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. That's Josh Show. He's brought to you by Geico. I'll be right back with more stuff. And uh, Dejan at 530, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hi, Dylan. How are you? We got the clap. Can't be beat. Got it off the back of a toilet seat. The X at 105.9.
Forgive my uh, tardiness there. I didn't know we were on. I was talking to Yoey. He said that they did indeed steal signs, the Penguins did, and the NHL will bring it up soon. 412-333-9939. This segment brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. 21 and over only. Uh, we want to talk about the game tonight. That's certainly the direction we're headed in at 5.30 with the Hockey Night Show. We will talk all hockey, which is what you want to talk about this year. The Penguins have won four in a row. The Penguins got such a stretch of challenging games coming up. In the next nine games, they play Boston twice, Philadelphia twice, Tampa twice, and the Capitals. Of course, the first Boston game is tonight at uh, the Garden in Boston. Sid's healthy. He's on a roll. Gino doesn't look like he's going to slow down. Tonight's game very challenging. The Bruins with the so-called best line in hockey. It's a pretty good line. I just don't think it's the best line in hockey because Sid's not on it. I think Sid's line, regardless of who's on the line, is the best line in hockey. And if you're asking me, would I rather have Sid, Simone, and McCann ahead of Bergeron, uh, Marchand, and Pasternak, yes, I would. You match me up. You match uh, my line up against their line in a set best of seven series. The Sid line is going to win that series. So that's not to minimize those guys. But like you always said, the Bruins are not in a great place right now. They're not playing exactly stellar hockey. So we will see how this evening goes. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh the new revelation today in the Houston Astros sign stealing is there's a report. Now, it was supposed to be from Beltron's niece, and the Beltron family since denied that she's legit, that the Astros were buzzers on their right shoulders last year that would alert them to what pitch was coming. A guy watching video in the hallway controlled the buzzer. If that is found out to be true, I wonder what MLB does. Because the players supposedly cooperated. The players supposedly revealed the whole story. The players didn't get punished as a result. But if they left 2019 out while talking about 2017 and 18, uh, something's got to give there. We're also talking about Odell Beckham Jr. He was in the LSU locker room on Monday after he won the national championship, gave money to players, and that would make some of those players forfeit their NCAA eligibility. Uh we're going to talk about that a lot more in just a second, but imagine you're one of those players. You're offered money by Odell Beckham Jr., and you probably think he's, you know, hot soup, you know, NFL player, LSU alum, you know, the proverbial cool guy, even though I think he's a dink. But you know that the NCAA's going to get wonky if you take the money. What do you do? Good question, right? Also in the news, Antonio Brown, when is he not? Uh... Drew Rosenhaus dropped him as a client. We'll take them back if A.B. quote-unquote gets help, but uh, Drew Rosenhaus has put Antonio Brown on waivers, like the Raiders and the Patriots before him. So we got all that to talk about. Dial 412-333-WXDX, and we will. And just around the corner, more about that OBJ situation here on 105.9.